morning, if you have a Bible or an electronic version of the same, you may want to open it to Numbers chapter 13 and 14. I'm going to read some uh, parts of that and have a little bit of commentary as I go along. Uh, this this uh, uh, section of the Bible says something to a leader, and until I was a leader in the church, I didn't uh, uh, recognize what the message was, particularly to the leaders. There's obviously a different message to other people in there, but uh, I, I particularly want you to think about what, uh, what this uh, means to leaders, uh, maybe uh, uh, specifically as it relates to your elders. Um, <clears throat> at the very beginning of Numbers chapter 13, we know that uh, the Israelites have been in the wilderness for a little over a year. And as you know, they were in Egypt for 400 years. God promised that when the sins in the land of Canaan became severe enough, that it would be time to uh, 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 rid the land of evil. And he has promised to his people that they can have the inheritance of that uh, land. He promised that to Abraham. And the time has come that God thinks, hey, it's time for them to uh, uh, take advantage of this uh, uh, wonderful place uh, where they'll have uh, cities and houses that they didn't build, wells they didn't dig, vineyards and orchards that they didn't plant. But God has that as a blessing for them. Uh, Let's start with uh, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, send men to scout out the land of Canaan I am giving to the Israelites. Send one man who is a leader among them from each of their ancestral tribes. Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran at the Lord's command. And I'm not going to read the names of all those guys, okay? Uh, We'll skip over that. It doesn't make that much difference to the purpose of the story. Um, In verse 17, when Moses sent them to scout out the land of Canaan, he told them, this is what their instructions were, "Go go up this way to the Negev, Then go up into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. Is the land they live in good or bad? Are the cities they live in encampments or fortifications? Is the land fertile or unproductive? Are there trees in it or not? Be courageous. Bring back some fruit from the land. And the passage goes on to say they went up and scouted out the land, and they were gone for uh, uh, 40 days. And then they were going to return, as it tells us in verse uh, 25, uh, back to where the encampment is of the Israelites in the wilderness. Uh, And they pick up some figs and pomegranates and this big, huge grape cluster uh, uh, on the way. Starting in verse 26. The men went back to Moses, Aaron, and the entire Israelite community in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back a report for them and the whole community, and they showed them the fruit of the land. They reported to Moses, we went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey, and here is some of its fruit. However... The people living in the land are strong, and the cities are large and fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. That's just giants, okay? Uh, The Amalekites were living in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live by the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people. Caleb was one of the spies that went into the land, one of the twelve. Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, 
We must go up and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. But the men who had gone up with him, all but Joshua, okay, there were ten other guys, and this is what they're saying. We can't go up, up, up against the people because they are stronger than we are. So they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land they had scouted. The land we pass through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants, and all the people we saw in it are men of great size. To ourselves, we seem like grasshoppers, and we must have seemed the same to them. Starting in uh, chapter 14. Then the whole community broke into loud cries, and the people wept that night. All the Israelites complained about Moses and Aaron, and the whole community said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us into this land to die by the sword? Our wives and little children will become plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? So they said to one another, let's appoint a leader and go back to Egypt. And in the rest of the chapter, which I'm not going to read, I'm just going to tell you about. Uh, God is so unhappy with this. You know, he didn't send those guys up there to uh, uh, come back to say that God can't do what God promises to do. Uh, He sent them to check this out. And there were incredible blessings that awaited them. And, and, and what, what happens in the rest of this chapter is God's so upset with them, he wants to destroy all of them. And Moses says, no, no, you don't want to do that. And, and uh, so he says, well, here's the compromise. Every single adult older than 20 is going to die in this wilderness. None of those people are going to get to take advantage of this blessing that I had uh, in, uh, in store for them. In this passage, we find that 12 leaders were instructed to investigate what the future held for God's people. The, the leaders were sent into a promised land. They weren't sent to determine if it was a dangerous place or if the people were up to the task of entering it. When they returned, instead of trusting that God would lead his people into a future filled with blessings for them and their children, the majority of the leaders who had a glimpse of the future reported that what God planned for them was just too dangerous. Instead of showing courage and faith, twelve of, or ten of the twelve leaders were filled with anxiety, which discouraged and scared the people. Some even promoted the idea of returning to the past from which God had already delivered them. Because of fear of change, their failure to lead, and their disbelief, the promised blessings of God had to be postponed for 40 years. The West Ark Church is on a path in 2015 to wonderful opportunities and blessings which God has awaiting us. We cannot go back to 2014. We have no reason to fear changes that will come. If God is leading us there, then the future is not one that is filled with danger, but one that is filled with promise and hope. Satan, of course, wants us to think otherwise. Your elders are trying to recognize changes that will come while... We lead God's people along a biblically sound path. Let us all prepare for a higher level of spiritual experience. God has promised that we need not fear the future because he is already ahead of us and will not abandon us. We we must trust that the will of God will never take us where the grace of God will not protect us.
If you do have your Bibles, uh, you may want to turn to Ezekiel 34. In Ezekiel 34, in the beginning of the chapter, it talks about shepherds. And uh, as you'll see as we read, there's some shepherds not doing what they should be doing. And as we get further into the chapter, you'll see that uh, God is the great shepherd and that God will always be just and always do what's right. And uh, I'll start in verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves, should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool you slaughter and the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly you have not strengthened, the diseased you have not healed, the broken you have not bound up, the scattered you have not brought back, nor have you sought the lost. But with force and with severity you have dominated them, and they were scattered for a lack of a shepherd, and they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. My flock wandered through, the, through all the mountains on every hill, and my flock was scattered all over the surface of the earth, and there was no one to search for or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my flock has become, become a prey, my flock has even become food for all the beasts of the field for lack of a shepherd. And my shepherds did not search for my flock, but rather the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I shall demand my sheep from them and make them cease from feeding sheep. So the shepherds will not feed themselves any more, but I shall deliver my flock from their mouth, and that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day, when he is among his scattered sheep, so will I care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. And I will bring them out of the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the streams and in all inhabited places in all of the land. I will feed them in good pasture, and their grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There they will lie down in good grazing ground, and they will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock. I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken, strengthen the sick, but the fat and the strong I will destroy, and I will feed them with judgment. I think uh, you can see in what I read that it, um, the Bible pretty much and God tells us what he wants from shepherds and, and he certainly is the great shepherd and is going to make sure that everything is just and, and uh, everything is uh, done that should be done in the end, even sometimes when things are difficult. And certainly we can see how shepherds should uh, feed the flock and watch over the flock and, and uh, we certainly strive to do that and, uh, and that's what we feel is our goal is protecting the flock and watching over the flock as, as shepherds here at West Ark. Well, you've probably picked up by now that the general topic is, is the role of shepherds. Uh, what some of you might not be aware of is your shepherds get together for a, most of a Saturday, occasionally for a Friday night and most of a Saturday, uh, about twice a year to talk about the plans and what we need to do and what the future needs to be for this West Ark family. We did that uh, about a month or so ago. 
And our purpose this morning is that we always want to keep this family uh, advised and aware of what we're doing, uh, what we're talking about and what we want to accomplish. The role of shepherds was the topic that we started off with this on that Saturday morning. And as you can see from the things that uh, Brian read to us out of Ezekiel 34, uh, we really believe that those guidelines that God said to those leaders of Israel still apply to us today. Those are the types of things that he's wanting us to be. And that's the kind of role that we want to be. Now, when you look at that list, myself or anyone else could stand up here and probably speak two different hours worth of lessons on, on how to do all of that. That's not my point this morning. Uh, those are what we believe are a description of what we as their shepherds feel our role should be. Well, as soon as we had that discussion, it sort of begs the question, how are we perceived by both ourselves sometimes, but also by our membership in our role as elders? Most of the time, or an awful lot of the time, we're seen as a board of directors. Uh, we're problem solvers. We're facility maintenance uh, who gets the parking lot fixed? Who makes the budget come together? Now we do understand we are an organization and an organization requires a certain amount of administration it requires a certain amount of, of bureaucracy in fact to sort of make it work but that is not the role that, that we want to be perceived as and that we want to not function as. So that leaves us with the question, how do we move the perception of elders to more closely resemble the biblical role of shepherds? We've been trying to move that way for a long time. It's scary when I stop and think that I've, I've been a shepherd and blessed to be a shepherd here for 24 years. Uh, it's a long time. And I've seen a lot of this evolution occur. We have already made an awful lot of progress moving from acting like a board of directors to acting more like shepherds. But we still got a way to go. We, we still want to act that way. And not only act that way, we need to try to find those things that we can do to help you perceive us that way. I, 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 I want to give you an example. Sharon Ferris back there caught me walking through the, from the classroom into here one day with a, with a lady that wanted us to pray with her. And I was the first elder she saw, and she asked me if I would pray with her. And we went into room 100, and we prayed with her. Thank you. That's one of the few times that I really felt like I was functioning like an elder, like a shepherd. It wasn't about somebody's making too much noise are the parking lots, all those other mundane things that are important. We realize that. But that's what we want our shepherds to do. We want to pray with you. We want to try. When we talk about healing the sick and stuff we talked about, that's spiritually as much as anything. 
We do a lot of praying both physically, but spiritually, we live in a troubled world. We have lots of emotional conflicts and problems. We want to be available to talk with you. Marriage is a difficult thing in our society nowadays. Unfortunately, your shepherds normally find out that a marriage is in problem when the divorce papers are getting filed, at which point in time even prayers are getting a little limited. We would love to be able to have the opportunity, and we're also trying to provide many other opportunities with counseling and, and marriage counseling and other things that we can do to help serve as the pastors or the shepherds that you want us to be. One of the things that uh, when we look at this role and we ask ourselves, uh, what is our duty, what should it really be, is what's our responsibilities? We talked about the roles, what's our responsibilities? Well, to be real honest, from my perspective, this had an interesting twist to it, I guess, that, that I hadn't thought about. But it became obvious pretty quickly that we all really uh, agreed that our primary responsibility is to you all. Our primary responsibility is to current members. Now you say, now wait a second. We're supposed to be uh, evangelistic. We're supposed to be reaching out to others. We're supposed to be saving the lost. You know, all of these things that... Uh, we're supposed to be working on, and, and, and we do, but, but let's make a distinction here. As an individual Christian, I have a responsibility to do good to others, to speak about Jesus to others, to reach out to others, all sorts of things that the Scripture teaches. us. Every single one of you who are baptized Christians have the exact same responsibility that I do in that regard. That's not something that you can delegate off to your shepherds or your preachers or anyone else. We all have those responsibilities. So then the question is, then what additional responsibilities might those of us who've been fortunate enough to become shepherds, what additional responsibilities do we have? We believe it's with current members how to provide the food, the education, the training, the motivation, uh, how to get everyone to teach others, how to participate and not be observers, dressing the wounds, those who are spiritually and, and, and hurting and so many different things that come up. And then you say, well, yeah, but we're supposed to, one of those things originally was seeking the lost. You're supposed to be out there seeking the lost. Well... I'm not so sure that's exactly the right context to put it in. For non-members, seeking the law, seeking others, we believe that our role really is to lead you all to declare the gospel to the world. We can't do that for you. There's nine of us. There's 600 plus of you all. Our role our responsibility is to try to do everything we can to equip you, both knowledge, scriptural, everything else, the tools to be able to do the Christian life, to empower you, 
bless you, saying, you can do it. You don't need our permission to do something good. We every now and then will get somebody who's got this great idea to go do something good. And they come and ask our permission. You don't need our permission to do good. Now, sometimes we have to help with some funding. Maybe there's a little bit of money that needs to be at the start, although rarely is that the main issue. And we can help with that regard. And then finally, we need to help focus sometimes. As you all know, there's a million things out there in this world that needs to be addressed that are all good, all worthy, and we can't do everything. So sometimes we, we get involved in trying to focus a little bit some of our works that you all have come up with. When we go back and look at the great things that this congregation has done, I go all the way back to our, our mission committee, to Cure, to Hope Chess, to, to Laundry Love, to Elf with the Christmas that just went by. As I said, I've been an elf for 24 years. I can tell you, the elders didn't initiate a single one of those. Every single one of those were initiated and started by you all. One of you all had the vision, had the courage, had the energy, and we blessed it, we supported it, we got behind it, we didn't start it. Those come from you all. Our job is to try to help and encourage and motivate you all to come up with more good works like that. And we'll bless it. We'll pray for it. We'll help every way we can. But that's got to come from all of us as an individual Christian. So as we focus down a little bit on some more specifics from our meetings together, then we want to look at, okay, what kind of goals will help this congregation grow spiritually so that we individually and collectively can reach out to others? And to do that requires a little bit of a brief history. Let me back up for a second and give a, a real quick history that most of you will remember. Our location, where we're standing right now this moment. We truly believe that God put us here across the street from the University of Arkansas at Fort Smith for a purpose. We're just right here and next door to a great mission opportunity. For years, this congregation has supported and and worked in that direction. We've been able to hire campus ministers. We were able to get a a house right next door that we can utilize. We've done a lot, but there's a whole lot more that can be done that we want to, and we have stated for quite some time that one of our major mission fields is right next door. To help accomplish that, we've also done some studies. We've had speakers come in and talk to us all about stuff that many of you have, have already read and and are aware of, and that's generational changes. It's just a fact that the way we identify with this group of young people sitting over here is a whole lot different than how we identify with old guys like me. It's just the way it is, from the baby boomers to the next generation to the X, Y, Zs, and all the other alphabetical letters that they try to label them. Our culture's changes. It is changing. When Paul went 
to the Jewish synagogues, and then he went to the Greek temples and stuff. He changed the way he made his presentation. He didn't change a message, but he changed the way he made the presentation to adapt to the culture in which he was addressing. Our culture is getting more casual. You look at the pictures down there of, of Rooster Cogburn and the marshals uh, of the day, then they have a tie on and long sleeve and coats riding a horse. That's not the culture we live in today. We dress more casually. Uh, a few of our guys who wear ties all the time still wear the ties. A lot of us who don't wear ties anymore quit. We're a more casual, more friendly, more informal culture. We truly believe that if we're going to reach out to the next generations, both across the street and in this area, who represent the future, then that is the atmosphere that we need to present. That is what attracts them, and you can't teach somebody who isn't here until you've gone out and talked to them. That's the only way we can reach them. So the question is, what do we need to do to encourage an attitude and a behavior of members and create an atmosphere that is more? I'm going to stop right there for a second. The word more is there very deliberately. By no instance are we trying to imply that we aren't friendly and that we aren't inviting. But we definitely can be more. We definitely can be better. So our goal long-term and definitely in 2015 is we want to do the types of things, both in attitude and physical and everything else, to make this congregation be more friendly to each other and to outsiders who come through our doors, to be more inviting, to be more intimate as a community, as friends, as a family, and to be more participatory. We don't have a band and a choir and all this stuff up here entertaining you. We're here worshiping together communally as a group. We are participants in worshiping, not observers. Those are the things that we have already made a lot of progress, as I've said. I hope we can continue. I know we can continue to make more progress in that same area. To help bring that along and to get your participation in it, sometime within the next month or two, we're going to have another one of the Talk It Ups that we had several months back, during which time we're going to get input from all of you in the types of things that we can do to help this congregation grow spiritually and be more friendly, inviting, intimate, and participatory. participatory. We welcome your input. You could have kept it, Bob. I don't know how to use it anyway, so that's, I'm well known for my competence. I'll be reading from uh, 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 7. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, 
not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. I so appreciate the comments by Bob and the others that have spoken this morning. And uh, we uh, also want to talk this morning a little bit about the fact that as an eldership, we need some help. When I became an elder back in 2010, along with several of the other gentlemen, there were 12 of us. Today there are nine. Roy Donovan, Russ McConnell, and Bill Dickey have retired from that work, and we honored them for their service, and we're glad that uh, they've been a part of this church, but it's time for the next generation to move forward. So we, over the next few months, are going to start the process of selecting additional elders to work with this congregation. We want you to be thinking about and praying about men that are among us today that meet the qualifications of being an elder, that are willing to serve, and that are uh, eager to participate in a very wonderful but admittedly time-consuming and tiring ministry, uh, but a blessing in, in all of our lives, and we want to share that blessing with some other men of this congregation. In addition to that, to adding new elders, we're also going to ask for a reaffirmation of the existing elders. We want to uh, give you the opportunity for you to tell us that you want us to continue, and so we're going to be doing that. The schedule's not set yet. You will There will be ample opportunity for everyone to have input. There will be... Uh, discussions with candidates that we were going to we're going to do some recruiting we encourage you to do the same uh, we want to get a, uh, a some additional help some qualified men that are eager and willing to serve in this office and we would uh, ask for your prayers and for your participation in the process at this point uh, we want to offer an invitation if there's anyone among us today who wants to become a child of God wants to make that commitment to follow the example that Jesus gave us to put on our Lord in baptism and to become a child of God this morning, we offer that opportunity and we would welcome anyone else that wants to come forward that needs uh, prayers from the church, from the elders. If uh, a more private audience would be preferable, there will be a couple of us in room 100 immediately after uh, the service that uh, are available for prayers and for discussions. Anything we can do to serve you, we would be glad to do it. So as we stand in sing, please come. <laughs> 